0: Hey guys, in today's episode, we are really diving into this question of why, why me? I'm going to share with you several of my favorite scriptures that are going to address this question and two ways that we can pivot away from this question to allow our faith to grow and root deeply to prevent that crisis of faith that tends to come with the question of why. Enjoy. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, Why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith based encouragement from my own infertility journey provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl, grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. most common question Christian women are asking God while navigating the painful circumstances like infertility is a very simple one-word question. Why? God, why me? Why are you not answering my prayers to conceive? After months and months of myself asking these questions and God not giving me an answer, I experienced a crisis of faith that honestly kind of scared me. When the question was going unanswered, I started asking more questions about God. Are you good? Are you there? Are you hearing me? What did I do wrong? And I distinctly remember kneeling on my living room floor one day while living in Japan. We were four years into our trying to conceive journey when I just broke down at the feet of Jesus. I honestly had this image come to mind as I was laying there crying, the image that Represents how it felt to be navigating these emotional seas of infertility, but having no answers. I was standing in a lunch cafeteria room holding my tray and wanted to go get food. I was hungry. And I was standing there and I was staring up at the line and I couldn't move forward. My feet were frozen in place. And I couldn't move forward to the front of the line to get my food. Even though the line was moving forward, I couldn't move forward. And I started having people move around me, going on my left side, on my right side, navigating around me, getting to the front of the line, getting their food, putting their food on their tray, walking over to the table, sitting down and enjoying their food. And over time, as I tried as hard as I could to get my feet to move, but they were not moving, people started coming back for seconds and people started coming back for thirds. They went back for dessert. And I was still stuck there with tears just streaming down my face, wondering why in the heck I could not move forward. I knew what I wanted, but I couldn't get there. And that is the image that I had that represents truly how I felt about my desire to become a mom and my relationship with the Lord. Because I knew what I wanted, but I couldn't control the outcome. I couldn't manufacture what I wanted. And it was so difficult for me because honestly, I'm kind of the personality. I don't know if you're like this, but I'm kind of the personality where I want to control everything. I want to be able to have this very simple cause and effect relationship with things where if I do something, I'm going to receive X. It's why I love the job that I do as an online health and fitness coach is I can put in the work, really, really hard work, and I immediately can see that pay off in my paycheck. Whereas if I was in a corporate setting, which is where I was working before, I would put in all this work and I was still being paid the same as someone who wasn't working as hard as me. (laughs) And so for me, it's like very much a control factor in what is so difficult about navigating the conceiving journey. And I remember telling Josh about this vision that I had and this experience that I had of just feeling totally deflated when it came to my relationship with the Lord. I felt like I didn't know where my faith stood. I, this question of why was drowning me in my faith and it was impacting everything. I felt unhealthy in my thoughts. I felt unhealthy in even just my relationship with my body. And then of course that impacts your marriage and that impacts every other area and hat that you're currently wearing. And you don't feel like you can fully show up as your best self because you're drowning in that question of why. And the unanswered question honestly leads to so much inner turmoil. So Josh was one of those incredible husbands who sat me down after we had that conversation and pointed me to scripture. And it's this verse in this chapter in John chapter 21, which I had heard before many times because it's the chapter where Jesus reinstates uh, Peter after he had denied him three times at the cross. He reinstates him asking him if he loves him and of course peter says yes lord you know that i love you and jesus gives him a command feed my sheep so it's an incredible identity moment where jesus reestablishes his identity as his follower but the ending of that chapter is probably the most pivotal scripture that helped me build my faith back on solid ground and helped me find my foundation again while navigating this question of why. And I want to bring your attention to that right now. It was this moment where after Jesus had affirmed him for the third time, Peter looks around and he asks Jesus, well, what about that disciple? And this was in terms of the death that Peter was going to be facing. Jesus had prepared him like, look, your death is not going to be pretty. (laughs) And I don't know why I'm laughing. That is not funny, but it's, Kind of uncomfortable to have that conversation, obviously, with your bestie and just explain like, look, your your death is not going to be pretty. My death was not pretty, but your death is not going to be pretty. And he's preparing Peter. When he does this, the first thing Peter does is he looks around. And I think in that moment, it was almost as if he was looking to have a connection with someone else who is going to suffer. Because I think when we're suffering, we really crave companionship in our suffering. I think that's what's the whole difficult component about infertility is that you are alone in isolated going through that. It's kind of like this hidden secret disease almost where you don't tell people, nobody knows. Maybe you're close friends if you're confident in sharing that or if you're like me, obviously everybody in the world knew about my journey, but I think for the most part, women are not communicating that they're navigating conceiving and it's not working i feel like there's a little bit of a difficult stigma around it honestly i think we as women feel called to become mothers a lot of us do and so this stigma of like my body's not doing what i want it to do it's kind of like we feel shame from it and we shouldn't but we do i, I felt like sometimes i felt ashamed that this wasn't working so we keep it hidden and we keep quiet and we suffer in solitude and in isolation. So I think Peter in this moment, when he starts looking around and he's asking Jesus about other disciples and how they're going to die, he's trying to latch on to something that's going to give him you know, the assurance that he's going to be okay. And Jesus's response was so beautiful. And it's what changed my whole journey when I sat there in Japan talking to my husband about this crisis of faith. He says to Peter, one command, he says, you follow me. What is it to you, what I have for him? You follow me. And in that moment, I realized that my question, why, that I was stumbling over, I couldn't resolve that. And I was so frustrated, I had no answers. That was not the question I should be asking because ultimately it doesn't matter why, the answer is irrelevant when God has given me a very clear command that I am to follow Him. If I am a Jesus follower, if I am a Christian and I identify as that, it's not on my terms. It's not based off of my comfort level or how well God is answering my prayers or what He is doing for me. My decision to follow God, my relationship with God and my intimacy with God and my faith is founded on my decision to say I will follow you period, not comma. I will follow you if I never have to wait for a husband. I will follow you if I never have to wait to have a kid. I will follow you if you make me a mom, if you give me that job, if you answer this prayer of healing for this person who is sick in my life. We are so good at adding commas after Jesus's command to follow him. And I feel like this is such a beautiful moment where Jesus is saying, it will be hard. In this world, you will have trouble. Like he says that to his disciples, he prepares them like in this world, you will have trouble. That's still true today for Jesus followers. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, follow me, period because the decision to follow him should be founded solely on the work of the cross and what Jesus has done for us in redeeming us. Because in Romans, it says, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short. None of us is righteous. In Psalm 51, it talks about how we are all conceived with sin already. Before we even were able to mentally make the decision to sin, we were born into sin. So, God sending his one and only son to earth to live a human life, a perfect human life, to then take on the wrath of God, which is actually what we deserve. So when we start asking questions like, why me, God? It's a little bit of pride that we're dealing with there. And I get that because I was someone who was like, why God? Like I have been so good. And God's like, Courtney, it's not about your actions. It's not about your goodness. It was never about what you did. The cross is about what I did. And I sent my one and only son for you because there was my wrath separating us because of your sin that you were born into before you could actually do or do not do anything. And I sent my one and only son to live a perfect life, to sit on that cross, to be nailed on that cross, to die on that cross for you, to have all of my wrath that you deserve poured out on him so that you can receive his inheritance as my child, so that our bonds can be healed, so that I can actually one day heal you of these questions and of this pain and of this suffering that you're currently walking through because of infertility. I never wanted this for you. I never wanted this for you. I had good plans for you, but because of sin, those plans will not come to fruition. The abundant life that I have for you will not come to fruition. Until I come again, because I dealt with sin. It is over. But I have not redeemed all of humanity until I come again. And so, therefore, we do live with the effects of sin, whether or not it's in direct correlation to our personal sin is not the question. So, why me? It's like, well, why not? Honestly, we deserve more. (laughs) We deserve more than just suffering. Like, that's the thing I had to wrap my head around is that actually, I deserve the wrath of God. So the reality that I don't have to live with the wrath of God for eternity, that is why God is good, period. Whether he ever answers another prayer of mine again, or whether he chooses to answer all of them the way I want them to, his answers do not define his goodness. What he does in my life does not define his goodness. My comfort in this life, the roles and the hats that I wear does not define his goodness. His goodness is defined by what happened on the cross, by what happened in the grave, by His love being poured out for me when I did not deserve it, the grace that He has shown me. So what do we do with this question why? Because that's all good and well, but we still sit in the question. It still bothers us, right? It still scratches at us a little bit. And I just wanna give you some peace of mind that you are not the only person, I'm not the only person that asks God why. There's nothing wrong with asking God why, but I do believe it's what we do after in response that will really impact our faith for the good or for the bad. So just to kind of point out a couple people that also asked God why. Moses asked God, why have you dealt ill with your servant in Numbers? David asked, oh Lord, why do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble in Psalms 10? Habakkuk asked, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Job asked, why have you made me your target? I mean, poor Job, like that's a whole nother topic because reading his story, it's honestly the only thing I need to do to write my ship and be like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your goodness in my life, your mercy and your grace. The disciples asked, why was this man born blind in John 9? And Jesus also asked God, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So if we are called to walk following Christ and Christ himself, the son of God, asked God why and felt forsaken, should we not accept or understand that we too will experience that feeling of why and forsaken, right? Because that is part of this journey. So finding peace, I think it really comes down to Two things. Number one is to change our question from why God to a more valuable question that says, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to teach me through infertility? What do you want to teach me through my conceiving journey? What do you want to do in my marriage as we navigate these really hard waters? What do you want me to to live out? And how do you want me to glorify you through this suffering? Because our calling is to glorify God. That's why we exist on this earth. I recently did a quiet time where it explains glorifying God as displaying God's attributes through our life. And if we look at what his attributes are, we can look at the fruit of the spirit, right? It's self-control, it's gentleness, it's patience, it's love, it's kindness. How am I displaying those things, those attributes of God through my infertility journey? Because when I gravitate away from this why question and start asking, what are you teaching me? How can I glorify you even in this? How can I be patient as I'm in my waiting season? How can I be gentle with others in my waiting season? How can I be kind to those who don't understand in my waiting season? Help me live out the fruit of the Spirit in my waiting season. That small pivot is going to open up your heart and your mind to receiving God's love as he heals you. Instead of wrestling in the shackles of these unresolved and unanswered questions that you honestly may never get the answers to this side of heaven. There are people in this world who have lost loved ones and they will never know why it had to happen the way that it did or why it had to happen at the time that it did this side of heaven. But we have to choose to work through that to save the relationship and the trust that we have in God as our Father. And we do that by asking new questions. How can I display your glory in my suffering and in this tragic circumstance I'm walking through? How can I receive what you want to teach me? Because these questions posture your heart to surrender in trust of God's plan and it opens up your heart for God to refine you through that fire. The second thing I think we need to pivot away from the question why and step into persistent prayer. Persistent prayer, don't stop asking God. Prayer is an expression of faith. So when you ask God why, instead start praying for what you are asking God for, healing, a baby, conceiving, don't stop. I think we get discouraged because it's not being answered. But if you look at the persistent widow in the Bible, it is in Luke 18. It's the parable of the persistent widow. And he told them a parable. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, the judge refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his people who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Faith is choosing to believe that God is not done yet. The story has not been finished and we will never be disappointed by choosing faith and choosing persistence. So are you going to live out the persistence of the widow? Are you going to keep praying and expressing your faith that God is capable, that God can move and that he will move? It's not a theology of prosperity. It's not saying, oh, I'm just going to keep claiming a baby until God gives me a baby. No, it's about being persistent because scripture says that will God not give justice speedily? So keep praying, be persistent in expressing your faith because God is either going to change your heart or he is going to eventually answer because the answer has been not yet. It's not no, it's not yet. These are the two action steps and pivots that we can make when this question of why assaults our heart. We can start asking new questions of, God, what do you want to teach me? And how can I glorify you, display your attributes through my waiting season? And two, we can continue to petition heaven as an expression of faith for the very thing that we're waiting for. I hope that this blesses you. I can't wait to see you in the next podcast. Spend some time praying over that very thing today and ask the Lord to move because persistence is going to see you through the waiting season with a heart of peace and a heart that says, I still trust you, God. And at the end of the day, remember that God gave us a command to follow him. Good or bad, in this world, we will have trouble, but he came to give us abundant life. That abundant life is still ahead of us. So keep showing up and choosing to trust him and follow him no matter what, even if he never answers those persistent prayers, friend, because I promise you that growth in faith and the reward in heaven that awaits us is worth choosing to continue to live for him. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today if this episode inspired you changed you or blessed you in some way I would love for you to do one of two things first head to apple podcast at that link below and leave a review and second screenshot this episode and share it in your stories tagging me at sown with strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless these are the number one ways to thank me I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode until then go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the waiting well podcast.